This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor David Kogel. We do want to get back to John chapter 13. We've been in John now 13 for a little while. We've, we've, uh, this has led up to very close to Jesus going to the cross. <clears throat> and during this time that he spent with his disciples, these few days here, uh, he was really having some intense conversation with them and really expressing to them some things that he has been talking about during his ministry, but really getting down to the details and some of the things that that are happening and are going to happen. And so they're, they're listening to all of this, and it's a time away from the crowds. It's a time that he can really have with them to let them know and show them some uh, examples of what they should be doing uh, after he is uh, gone back to heaven. So uh, let's just look at uh, verse 1 of 13 again and kind of just read up through there a little bit to bring you back up to date, and then we'll go right into where we uh, left off last time. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them until the end. And remember, I've been telling you about how Jesus would always say, mine hour is not yet come, mine hour is not yet come. Now he is saying the hour is come. So that hour is not like the 60 minutes that we're thinking about, but it's like the time, this, this particular time has come that he's been talking about. And it is important for us to realize the latter part of that verse, he loved them until the end. You know, that means that nothing that was going to transpire through the cross, resurrection, everything, he wasn't going to quit loving them. He loved them he, he, just like he loves us. It's wonderful to know he loves us till the end. Whether that be we, we pass away on this earth or we were caught up to meet him in the air. Supper being ended in verse 2, the devil had now, uh, having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. And we'll, we'll get into more about the devil and what he, his part was in this. But as they end the first part of this supper here and this meal and this meeting that they're having, um, the devil is already uh, ready to do his part. And Judas Iscariot, of course, is going to be that person that he will use to do that, uh, betray Jesus. Jesus, knowing that the Father hath given all things into his hands, that he was come from God and went to God. He riseth up from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. Remember, I brought that out last time. That outward robe that would probably go down all the way down, and he would take that outward robe off, and he would get that towel and fold it and put it under his belt that they would use to tie around that. So he's, he's getting ready to do something. 
At this point, they're probably looking at him thinking, well, what is he getting ready to do here? And then verse number five, after that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. I can only imagine their eyes and what they thought as they saw Jesus doing what they, it wasn't strange to them that someone would wash their feet. We told you about that. They lived on dusty roads. And whenever they walked somewhere, their feet would get filthy. I mean, it dust all over their feet, dirt on the bottom of their feet. And so they would have that basin there and they would pour that water in there. And usually a servant of the house would wash the person's feet. <clears throat> it was a lowly job for sure. And now here Jesus is doing that. So he cometh in verse 6 to Simon Peter and said, <clears throat> and Peter said unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? You know, I can imagine uh, that probably question was in all of the disciples' mind. Well, wait a minute now. What are you doing, G Lord? What are you doing, Jesus? You, you cannot be washing my feet, my goodness. And Simon, of course, could never hold back what he... When something came to his mind, boy, he's ready to speak it out. And he'd do it, and he'd get, it, he'd get in trouble sometimes. But he was one to just let it out. And so when Jesus got to him, he had made up his mind. He said, we ain't doing this. I mean, Lord, come on. You, you're not going to wash my feet. And little does Peter know. And in fact, uh, verse 7 is, is an important verse, and we kept going back to it. Jesus answered and said unto him, what I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. So what, what I'm doing, Peter, you, you're, you're not going to get right now. You're not going to understand it right now. But hereafter, what, what hereafter? After the resurrection, after the cross, after the resurrection, then they're all going to get it. They're all going to understand it. So, uh, that, that's an important thing to remember. Verse 8, Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Again, a very important verse and, and the wording in that verse as well. So what does Peter say? Lord, yeah, I'm not going to allow you to bend down here and wash my dirty feet. You, that's just not going to happen. So Jesus answers, but he doesn't answer the way that Peter asked the question. Notice it. If I wash thee not. Did he say, if I wash not your feet? If I don't wash your feet, Peter? No. If I wash thee not. So now Jesus is getting, getting the message, trying to get it back over to him. Peter, you need to be washed in the blood. Your sins need to be forgiven. All of everyone in this room, if you're going to have part with me, you need to be born again. You need to be washed by the blood. I'm washing your feet. This is going to be an example of several things here. But the main thing that I want you to understand is if I don't wash your sins away, if you're not under the blood, you can have no part with me. Now, Peter, he doesn't get it right away. You remember, verse 7 said he wouldn't get it. 
And so Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. So, yes, Peter's saying, I'm all in, Lord. I don't, I don't really know what you're saying here. I'm thinking I hear what you're saying, but I just want you to know, okay, whatever I need to do, I, you know, I want, I want to be washed. And so, verse 10, Jesus said unto him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. Another important verse. So we talked about they didn't have a lot of bathrooms, showers, anything like that in these homes. They had bathhouses that the general public could go and use. And from the bathhouse, go down there, get all cleaned up to where you live, where you got to do, got to walk on those dusty roads again. So you may be clean from head to ankle, but when you get home, the feet are dirty again. So here Jesus is using that uh, saying here, and he's saying unto him, he that is washed needeth not save wash his feet. Peter, I'm not talking about just your feet here. I'm talking about everyone, all of us, the whole thing. Now, Notice at the end of that verse, he said, ye are clean, but not all. So out of 12, guess what? There's one that's not, not going to be clean. There's one that's not going to be in that, in that picture. And of course, we know he's talking about Judas. They didn't know that now. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore, he said, so this verse explains that other verse. Ye are not all clean. So we kind of get uh, down to where we had uh, left off here. And so I wanted to go back and go through those few things in there and, and clarify those things as well. You got to remember uh, these, everything that is going to take place with Jesus and in this room and with these disciples, they, it, none of it took the Lord by surprise. He, he already knew everything that was going to happen. But the, but the disciples did not know all these things that were going to happen. They didn't know anything that was getting ready to take place, but they're going to find that out. But it's very important that we realize some of the things that Jesus is trying to do here, and he is, he is really trying to get across, and it's a great lesson for us today as well. We can be saved, born again, a child of God, but folks, we know we live in a wicked world that's full of sin all around us, and none of us are perfect. Only the Lord's perfect. So we are going to stumble along the way. We are going to have faults. We are going to have things that make wrong decisions and, and say things that we don't, we realize we shouldn't say it. And, and we are going to mess up and, and have these things happen in our life. But the Lord is really going to let us know that, hey, we can confess our sins. We can maintain a right relationship with God, even though we live in this kind of world. And we should let that, that love of God flow through us 
so that other people can see that. Jesus was being a servant to these disciples washing their feet. This was an example of humbleness, and, and we have to have that same example. We should let that be seen in our life as well. So uh, we are gonna, we're going to see more of what Jesus is saying about that. Now, verse number 11, he said, For he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, Ye are not all clean. So Jesus knew who the chosen disciples would be. He knew who would serve him, who would, like Danny's been teaching, would die a martyr's death for him. He knew these disciples that were going to be true disciples. But he also knew there was one that wasn't a true disciple and that wasn't going to go down that road. So that's what he is saying here, as we see here in in verse number 11. Verse 12, So after he had washed their feet and taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you. So he finishes up that chore. Can you imagine that? The Lord doing that, washing those nasty, filthy feet. What what an example of humbleness. And we find that when he finished up, he took that towel off, he put his robe back on, and he sat down there, and he's getting ready to continue with teaching them some things. And he starts off with this question, do you know what I've done? Do you get what I have done here? And he says in verse 13, Ye call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. (laughs) Now, there are churches that actually use this verse as as an ordinance to have foot washing. And maybe you've been there, maybe you've been a part of that. But as we read these verses in here, I do not see where the Lord Jesus said, this is an ordinance that you do until I come again. He said that about the Lord's Supper, and he said it about baptism. Those two things are ordinance of the church, and we should do those things. But foot washing was not an ordinance. In fact, we need to read on down so that we understand Jesus, what he was doing. He asked him, do you understand what I've done? And so look at verse 15. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. So when somebody does something That's a good example. Many times we say, hey, I like to follow that example. I like to do that. You know, we heard about someone giving to someone and helping someone out, and we may think, hey, hey, I like to be able to do that. How do I get in contact with the organization, or how can I be a part of that? Now, Jesus, of course, is saying here, listen, I have shown you this is an example. An example of what? An example of love, servanthood, pouring out of me. If I can do
do a lowly job that a servant would do, then we should be able to follow that example. Not sit back and say, hey, I've been saved 30 years and I'm super spiritual and, and I know a whole lot more than you do and I ain't got time to talk to you about anything. Or you messed up a lot and I don't want to have anything to do with you. No, as an example, we should let that love pour out of us and say, hey, I'm here for you. I would love to help you. I'd love to talk with you. I'd love to share Jesus with you. I'd love to do whatever I can do to be of a great help to you. Never at a point to where we're up here and we think everybody else is down there. Listen, Jesus went down there to wash their feet. He took that servant's job. And if Jesus could do that, we certainly could get past a point where somebody has slighted us and we don't have, want to have anything else to do with them. We are human. Everyone's human around us. People mess up. They have dirty feet. We walk through a fallen world. But we have to get past that and show mercy and compassion to people. That's what people need to see. They need to see the love of God. We can preach to them all day, but if they don't see the love of Jesus poured through us, then they won't want to have no part of coming to know Christ or even coming to our service or living for the Lord. So Christ here is showing such a great example and it is an attitude of display for us to follow. Verse 16, he, of course, said, Verily, verily, now we've told you often, and the pastor mentions it in his message too. It's always important when you see verily, verily, that two words twice, it means pay attention what he's going to say. I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither is he that sent greater than he that sent me. Now, we want to think about this for a second because a lot of times we can read through Scripture and we really don't let it, we really don't, Think about what's happened. Jesus Christ, the sinless Son of God, that's holy, righteous, perfect, He can look on us as a fallen humanity. He can look on us and say, hey, I will forgive them of their sins. I will forgive people for rebelling against me. And I'm compelled to go to the cross I'm compelled to do enough of this to go to a cross for you and for me. I mean, when we think about that, how in the world can we hold something against someone else when Jesus does that for us? We can't do that. You say, well, you, you don't know what that person's done to me. No, I'm, I may not know, and I don't know all the details. But I tell you what I do know. I do know that my sins put Jesus on the cross. I do know that he died for you and he died for me. I know that part of it. My sins drove those nails into his hands. And I know my sins were placed upon him and he had to endure the wrath of Almighty God because of my sin and your sin. I know that. So when I think about that, how can I not forgive someone for what they have done to me? How can I withhold forgiveness for that? So 
when we look at the example that the Lord led, did here to the di disciples, it's an example for us to follow. And it may be a daily forgiveness thing that we deal with. You know, just talking with people and realizing the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts, the Scripture said. So we ought to be able to serve others, forgive others, and then we're showing that example that Christ wanted us to do. You know, there's a lot of people who, who can do a lot of good things for people on, in this world. Feed the hungry, bless the poor, help, help people out. Hey, I gave to that homeless person standing there on the corner, and I helped them out. Well, if God led you to do that, and you felt like you need to do that, that's great. And all of these other things are great. But how much of that will hold up in eternity? That's the thing we got to realize. Love and service and forgiveness, those things will hold up for all eternity. A lot of times we catch ourselves doing something and we say, oh, oh that made me feel good that I was able to do that. that. That's good. I'm glad you felt good about that. But let's remember, it's not all about us and feeling good. It's all about reaching others for Christ. You know, did what you do have an example of Christ enough to where they may want to know who you are as a Christian? So it, many times we can get caught up with, hey, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. Listen, there may be a lot of times you scratch a lot of backs and you may never get yours scratched back. But let me tell you, you'll get your reward in heaven when you're doing it for Christ. So uh, this is what Christ is continuing to try to get across to them. Verse 17, if you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. So as a child of God, we should know these things. We know what God wants us to do. We're led by the Spirit, the Bible says. And when you follow the Spirit and do the things that He, he is talking to you and urging you to do, you're doing it for the Lord. Then you'll be happy about that. Verse 18, I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen, but that the Scripture might be fulfilled, he that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. And so that verse is important because once again, he refers back to everyone in the room. And he says, I speak not of you all. You remember that? So he's continuing to single out, hey, there's one here. Still hadn't made it known to anyone yet. Jesus knows who it is. And I don't even think at this point, Judas is fully aware that he's going to do it. I think he has, and we'll talk about his thoughts in, in, in a little bit, but I think that he has, yes, he's, he's had some, some ideas that he's already down that road of getting away from Jesus. And he, he, he has some things on his mind he's thinking about. But as they get to this place here, you notice he says here, I speak not of you all. I know who I have chosen. So Jesus already knows the other 11. He knows who they are. 
but he refers to that the scripture might be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. And we'll bring out where that scripture is in just a minute of fulfilling. Many times as Jesus spoke in the New Testament, he would say, as the scripture hath said. And of course, that always goes back to Old Testament Bible prophecy that he has spoke. Verse 19, now I tell you before it come, that when it is come to pass, you may believe that I am he. So as they have sat down here and as they have got ready to once again begin to eat, I will begin to think about this. How does a man who has spent three and a half years ministry with the Lord Jesus decide that he's going to betray him? How does he do that? I mean, this is a guy who has followed the Lord and watched him turn water into wine. He's watched him feed well over 5,000 people at one time and on more than one occasion. He's watched him heal the sick. He's watched him give sight to the blind, calm storms, raise Lazarus from the dead. How does he come to a conclusion, you know what, it'd be a good idea to betray this guy? How in the world? I think that as Judas lived that life alongside of Jesus, he became impatient. And impatient, mean, I mean it this way, because you got to remember, we've talked about this during Jesus' ministry here, many of the people thought he was come as a king to bring justice and overtake the Roman rule that they were under. And never did Jesus claim to do that. He said, that's not why I came. I came to seek and save those that were lost. Jesus came to die for, for sinners. So the other disciples probably felt the same way. They were impatient also, but yet they were not at this point that Judas was. They began to realize, and I think Judas began to realize, hey, he's not, he's not interested in overthrowing the Roman government at all. He's, he's interested in changing hearts. And so Judas didn't really want to be free from sin. His idea of freedom was probably being out from under the authority of the Romans and out from under Jesus' authority. So we also know for a fact that Judas was enslaved by the love of money. Judas carried the purse. Whenever the offering was taken up, wherever Jesus was, Guess who it went to? Judas was there with the bag. Put it in. And we also know from the Bible tells us he stole from that purse. So he was skimming off the top of it. You know, throughout history, there's certainly been a lot of people betrayed by money. <laughs> in fact, you know what the Bible says. Money is the root. The love of money is the root of all. Money isn't, but the love of it where our heart is. So many times people's heart is on loving money. And so I think that Judas was a coward. I think that he began to see the writing on the wall. He began to continue to listen to what Jesus had said. When he told his disciples he would die, he would be crucified. 
Judas paid attention when he heard that. And he probably thought, hey, I'm getting out while I can. And I'm going to make some money on top of that. So it could have been any of those combination of things. I don't know. That, a lot of that's just my opinion, speculation. He was thinking, but I know this. We're, exceeding, we're going to see Satan. We've already touched on the scripture right from the beginning. Said after supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot. So we know that Satan is going to play the part in using him, tempting him. Ultimately, it's Judas' own sin, his hardness of heart. It takes us all the way back to the beginning of the Gospel of John. Remember what it said? Men love darkness rather than light. So we think about that. Now it's involving the inner circle of disciples here. Now it's going to be one of the disciples. Nobody else knows yet. Nobody else is aware of that yet. But I do know this. Let's think about who it could have been. Who else could it, could it have been? When you look at these fellows, there are, there are faults in many of them. Even as we get towards the cross, what does the Bible say? They all forsook him. They all fled. They followed afar off except for his mother, a few other women, and then John came back. But as you break that passage down in verse number 18, I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen that the scripture might be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. So Jesus is saying it's clear as day. Out of you 12 men, I know who I have chosen. I know that one of you does not want to be washed clean. One of you is not seeking forgiveness for sin. So he goes on a little further and he said, but that the scripture might be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted up his heel against me. Jesus also mentioned there was a traitor back in John 6 when we was going through that chapter in verse 71. He answered and said, have I not chosen you 12 and one of you is a devil? He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. And then we just saw the scripture that he mentioned, not all of you are clean. So we get to this point in verse number 19, and we find out, I'm going to go ahead and tell you now what's going to happen. And you're going to believe me you're going to believe that I am. He says, now I tell you before it come, that when it is come to pass, you may believe that I am he. So this, of course, he says as clearly as possible that one is going to betray him. And so we're going to see that down there in verse number 21. But a couple of things here that I want you to think through. First of all, Jesus knows that it's going to be Judas who is the, the traitor here. He knows what Judas is going to do. You see, Jesus is not a helpless victim here. He's not somebody that didn't see any of this coming 
or why it's coming because he came to die for our sins. He knew this is part of that road that's leading up to the cross here. But he came to pay the price. So it's no big surprise. In fact, you remember I said I was going to mention about this being the scripture being fulfilled. He that ate my bread and lifted up his heel against me. That comes back in Psalms 41. We won't take time to go back there and read that Psalms, but it's back in King David's time out of Psalms 41. God knew it when he inspired David to write it. So Jesus is not being caught off guard. He knows what's coming, and yet he is ready just about to point this out, who it is. Judas, you know, I think about it. Think about the time that Judas was sitting in, all of a sudden he thought, uh-oh, he knows who it is. <laughs> Judas thinking, Jesus knows it's me. I wonder what's going through his head. I was trying to think about what he might have sounded like. And I wrote a few things down. He probably said things like, oh no, Jesus knows. Or maybe I shouldn't go through with it. But man, I sure could use those 30 pieces of silver. You see, it goes back to that love of money that he had. Wonder if he said, well, how in the world did Jesus figure this out anyway? I thought it was going to be a total surprise to him. But you got to realize that he also knew that Jesus was the Son of God. And so we find here that uh, as we get close to the time he's going to make it known, I think Judas is probably thinking, you know what? I'm going for it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get what I need out of this, and I'm going to get out while I can. So it certainly was going to take place. Verse uh, 20, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that receiveth whosoever I send receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in his spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. So that word troubled in his spirit doesn't mean it caught him by surprise. It means it, it hurt him that actually Judas is going to go through this. He's going to allow Satan to be a part of it. And I'm sure it hurt. Can you imagine how it hurts the Lord when we, when we do things that we shouldn't do or we let unconfessed sin stay in our life? I'm sure it hurts Him too. Verse 22, Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom He spake. They're looking all at each other now, thinking, who in the world is He talking about? There was, now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of His disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. So Peter's looking over there at John and he's saying, come here, come here a minute. Would you please find out who he's talking about? It's driving me crazy. Everybody else here too. And so, verse 25, he then lying on Jesus' breath said unto him, Lord, who is it? Who is it, Lord? And Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. 
Whoever that I dip this bread in and hand it to, that's the person. That's who it is. I wonder how Simon felt about that. He gave it to Judas Iscariot, who was the son of Simon. You ever had, you know, in your family, sometimes people disappoint you in your family. And you think, oh my goodness, why do they do that? How do they turn out like that? Why did, why did they make that decision? wonder how Simon felt about that. Man, that's my son he just gave that to. That means my son is going to do this terrible thing. How in the world? So, verse 27, and after the sock, here it is, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, that thou doest do quickly. He's in the room with these disciples, all 12 of them. And he's telling them he's going to die. Just a day or so before that, Jesus said he's going to Jerusalem. He's going to be killed. And you remember Peter rebuked him there and said, oh, no, Lord, no. No, we're not going to do that. And you remember what he said to Peter? Get thee behind me, Satan. So see, Satan was having already trying to have an effect on these disciples. So yeah, he was talking to Peter, but he realized Satan was behind it. You see, Peter was saying, don't go to the cross. Don't do that. So Peter's mind try to get Jesus to resist or go against the Father's will was because of Satan. So here they are sitting in the room with all these men wanting to know who could do it. You know, we know the story. We sit back and think, well, I know it's Judas. But the thing is, Jesus had chosen 11 out of the 12 and they had been elected. But you know what? Satan could have influenced any one of those men. Could have picked any one of those men. But let's go back to what Jesus said. I have chosen. And I believe when Jesus makes a choice, they're not going to be Satan's. We're going to be his child. So these men, these other 11 men, and my time has run out, but I do want to go through some of these men and give you an example why Satan could have actually picked any of them. There's things that have happened with these men and struggles that we saw in the Word of God that he could have, but he didn't. So we'll stop there this morning as we get closer to that time of betrayal, actual betrayal, and what's going to take place there as well. You listen to Pastor David Kogel. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.